This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by Springer Nature. It's the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. Huntington's disease is a genetic neurodegenerative disease that usually strikes later in life. And the really difficult thing about Huntington's disease is it's very slowly progressive, taking between 10, 20 years from the beginning of the disease to someone's dying of the condition, although some people live longer than that. And it's that and it's autosomal dominant nature that people live under the shadow of it for, for often the whole of their lives. And in that way, it, you know, as a, as a geneticist, I always found it one of the the most devastating disorders that, that I deal with. Zosha Miedzabrodska is a professor of medical genetics at Aberdeen University and author of a new paper in the journal Genetics and Medicine. Those at risk of passing on the disease to their children have options, including not having children at all or adopting, or testing the pregnancy or pre-implantation embryo. The Huntington's Disease Consortium in the UK has been following whether or not expecting parents make use of these genetic tests for 27 years since predictive testing began. So that allowed us to present a countrywide view in a context where it's largely to do with patient choice and preference rather than on um, ability to pay. Dr. Miedzabrodska is a member of the consortium, and she says that prospective parents have a number of options. In the UK, typically people who are thinking about having a family have, have options, and one is to have a test for themselves you know, to find out if they're at risk of passing it on. At that point, they can either do prenatal diagnosis or pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. The majority of people choose to have what we call a direct test, and, and that's where the sample is taken, the number of repeats in the Huntington's gene is looked at, and the parents get an answer that this fetus has inherited Huntington's disease or it hasn't. What is also possible, though, is for those parents who choose not to know for themselves but don't want to pass it on, there is a type of testing in in the UK known as exclusion testing where the genetic results can be created for the fetus based on excluding the affected grandparental Huntington's chromosome. Exclusion testing might lead to termination of an unaffected fetus or the discarding of an unaffected embryo because there's a chance the inherited chromosome from the grandparent does not actually contain the mutation. In either case, prospective parents who choose to get the fetus tested and receive a positive result are left with the difficult prospect of termination of pregnancy. Dr. Miedzabrodska and her colleagues decided to look at the decades of data to see if there's any particular trend. So in this paper, my hypothesis was to see, first of all, had the proportion of people at risk of Huntington's had the numbers undergoing testing, had that changed over the years? And then secondly, we wanted to see whether the with the increased availability of pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, whether there had been a swing from prenatal diagnosis to pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. And we expected that perhaps that the prenatal diagnosis rates would have fallen and the PGD rates would have risen. So they gathered all the data about parents who were offered genetic testing, how many took up testing, and what kind of testing they did from 1987 to 2015. This covered the date when the exact mutation for Huntington's was identified in 1993, which allowed a change from linkage tests to direct variant tests. And we were surprised to see 
that the numbers of prenatal diagnoses have been, apart from the first the first year or so, when there was a sort of rush of people coming forward when the test became available, by and large, the, the rate of prenatal diagnosis has remained remarkably similar. But what has changed is, is that more and more couples are seeking pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, which suggests to me that it's a new group of people coming forward for pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. Dr. Miedzabrodska believes that some people who wouldn't have thought of prenatal diagnosis, perhaps because they wouldn't want to terminate a pregnancy, are choosing to test before implantation. In the UK, pre-implantation tests are only offered for a couple of cycles or the first successful delivery, and they're not offered absolutely everywhere. But still, the UK is unusual both because healthcare is free at the point of service and because this type of testing in general is widely available there. And I also know that access to prenatal diagnosis for late-onset conditions is, is not universal around the world you know, perhaps on grounds of either ethics or religion or, or and so on. And so this is a country where it's freely available. So what we feel we're seeing here is a true reflection of patient choice. As it happens, only about 3% of patients chose testing. So the uptake is uncommon, but when it happens, it really matters to people. It matters, and it can be cost-effective from a healthcare perspective. Yeah, I mean, if you take a health economics view and you think about the cost of testing versus lifetime costs of care for Huntington's disease, offering these tests is a cost-effective thing for, for a nation to do. It's certainly not something I would, you know, people can live very happy, healthy lives with the Huntington's gene. I'm, I am not promoting this as what people should do. But I think it's important it's available as an option because obviously for some couples it's important. And what I do see is with the the rapid increase in uptake of pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, I suspect there are many more couples who would want to choose that route. Um, And, you know, that does require more funding than prenatal diagnosis. But it does still seem to work out from an economic perspective, and Dr. Miedzabrotska says it should be available to couples, perhaps for more than just one baby. So I think, you know, it's important for policyholders to consider where the funding for PGD should should be something that's prioritized. Dr. Miedzabrotska and her colleagues say these tests should be available free to everyone, not necessarily to reduce Huntington's disease births, but to support patients and families coping with this disease and to honor couples' wishes for testing unencumbered by financial considerations. She says the testing does raise another concern, however. Some prospective parents might get tested, discover that the embryo or fetus will develop Huntington's, and then decide to proceed with the pregnancy. And that child then will be born to parents who know that one day that child will get Huntington's disease. So that child's choice not to know has in a sense been removed by the parents having the prenatal diagnosis and are not acting upon it. She says future research should focus on the outcome of such pregnancies and learn more about how counseling can help deal with such a situation. Fortunately, other research on Huntington's treatments is progressing. Genetics and Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by Springer Nature. I'm Cynthia Graber.